The information contained in this podcast is an expression of opinion and does not constitute investment advice. This is the Gold Money Foundation podcast with Dominic Frisbee, keeping you up to date with expert opinion on precious metals and the markets. Hello and welcome to the Gold Money Foundation podcast hosted in association with Frisbee's Bulls and Bears with me, Dominic Frisbee. Um, it's a pleasure in today's show to welcome one guest who I've never spoken to before and one guest who is an old friend of mine and uh, one of the most popular um, guests on the show, Frisbee's Bulls and Bears. He is, of course, the author and trader, Michael Hampton. He's uh, based in Hong Kong, but uh, he's here in London for a few days. So hello, Mike. How are you doing? Very well, Dominic. Pleased to be here. Excellent stuff. And uh, also sitting with us is the fund manager and economist, Adam Parkin. Adam, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good to see you, Dominic. Okay, now I think um, there's two big issues that we want to talk about today. So let's kick off with, with the first of them. Um, the great global economic unraveling. Uh, at what stage, uh, I mean, this is an ongoing process. It kind of began in 2007, I guess, and, and uh, although a lot of us saw it coming many years before that. Mike, where, at what stage are we at in this unraveling, would you say? Well, I think, you know, generally we've been seeing the, the can get kicked down the road for quite a few years, and the problem is the can, being debt, is getting bigger and bigger, and it's getting harder to kick, and it's getting more painful for those who kick it. And uh, I think what's happening now is people are realizing we can't go on this way, and uh, we're really headed towards something we probably haven't seen since the 1930s, uh, or, or, or more than that. We're, we're, we're headed towards... Uh, a world where we're suddenly going to have to face reality that we can't go on borrowing money and more debt doesn't solve the debt crisis. Adam, do, do you have anything to add to that? Well, yeah, I, I'd see that uh, if current trends which started with the dot-com bust and uh, the S&P peaking around 2000 in inflation-adjusted terms, that that bear market still looks as though it could uh, have some more legs. So... Uh, you know the the pressures that are building in the in the, in the West and particularly in Europe uh, show no sign of lessening. Mike, um, this is a question where you've offered you've often um, differed from some of the more. I mean, I know you like gold, but uh, you don't like gold. You're not as um, keen on it as, as some people who who as, as some people that I've spoken to. What? I mean, how much stress can the system of money that we currently use take? Ah, well, um, there are two questions there. One's about money and one's about gold. So um, let's talk about the money situation first. Um, the problem we have is that uh, that our debt system is, is well wrapped up with, with the way we do money. And uh, the debt levels we have now are, are, are straining uh, quite seriously uh, the way we do money. So um, something's going to give. Do you see some kind of implosion of the monetary system coming, as some do? Well, uh, let's, let's talk about that, because basically um, you've got credit and, and you've got uh, money, money and credit. And um, that what determines 
you know, inflation isn't isn't just money. It's money and credit. And so a lot of people see the money supply go up and ignore credit, and they wonder why we haven't had huge amounts of inflation. And uh, the answer is that, you know, as money was created, uh, as, as money was created, credit was destroyed. And um, that's kind of kept inflation down to a sort of more reasonable level. But it is now starting, it has been at levels that are uncomfortable. And this is putting a lot of pressure on the way we do, the way we do money. Um, because people, uh, let's say China, um, don't want to see their inflation get out of control and they've been tightening money. And China has sort of started this whole uh, situation we're seeing now around the world, from my point of view, from living in Hong Kong, by tightening quite a lot earlier this year. And then we saw the Hong Kong stock market go down and that was followed by stock markets in Europe and, and uh, the, the, the U.S. dropping. And, of course, the debt bomb has been ticking throughout this. So we're now we're seeing a sort of perfect storm of uh, stresses on the money situation, stress on debt, hitting us at the same time. And, um, you know, this could go, and as we were talking a moment ago before this interview started, could go more than one way. Um, but I reckon we're not going to see a viable euro with, uh, with Greece in it. Greece is going to have to come out somehow, and how that's done will tell us a lot about where we're headed. Can the euro survive at all? Um, uh, for a while it can, but I reckon in three years' time we probably won't have a euro that we have today. It could come a lot sooner than that. Well, maybe I could just add something to that. If you look at industrial production numbers in the three big economies in the euro, that uh, Germany has marched ahead Exorably, whereas the French and the Italians are where they were 10 to 15 years ago. Both those economies are effectively stuck in a debt trap, too many bureaucrats, uh, too uncompetitive. And so if we carry on down the line in this euro system that is very much the advantage of Germany, we're heading towards a German federal union. And it strikes me as the key question is, and I think Greece is a peripheral matter, is when do the French and Italians say, we've had enough, we have to reform? Now, when that happens, do you suddenly see a, a two-tier Europe, a hard euro and a soft euro? You get a German-based currency and a Mediterranean-based currency. L let's face it, whereas five years ago that was inconceivable, it's one of a number of options that are possible uh, going forward. Yeah, I mean, one of the uh, ideas that does the rounds is that eventually this is all going to end up with some kind of global currency. I mean, I suppose that's looking more possible by the day. How you would organise it, goodness knows. Well, <laughs> I think that'd be the worst of all possible, to, to be honest. I mean, it seems to me that in, a, in this ever more complex world system that we live in, uh, complexity rather than simplicity is the order of the day, that you would need more currencies, you need... Uh, a well-functioning price system to give the right signals to everybody and if you try and collapse everything into a single price you're destroying that sophisticated system so I, I would be completely against that I think some people uh, worry that, um, as, that that there's a design behind, uh, behind this and uh, it, you know I, I can't say for sure there's an agenda but uh, it sure looks like it because a lot of the debt problems that we've had are predictable, and the uh, the way of solving it that we're seeing is to, to move towards a global currency, towards uh, more power. Um, and the, the really tragic thing about that is 
uh, a lot of people who are calling for uh, these types of solutions don't realize that they're actually going to be forced to give up some of the power they have now. And this is, I think, the, 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 the adult conversation we need to have about um, how, we, how, we do, how we do money and how, how we do debt and how we politically uh, govern ourselves. Because if we surrender too much power to save ourselves from this crisis, we're going to wind up, a lot of people, um, in, a, in a very enslaved type condition. When you say, um, who would we be surrendering the power to? Well, um, most people who, who, who are asking for a big solution are asking for a bigger central bank and, and maybe more centralized power. Um, the, the, the usual complaint about Europe is that a monetary system was created, but uh, there was no uniform fiscal system for, uh, for borrowing and, and so forth. And each country was allowed to borrow in whatever way it wanted, uh, but they had a common currency, and uh, that's a disconnect that's led to the problem we're suffering from today. So the way of solving that, some will say, is that you have a single currency and you have a single fiscal regime. You have a centralization of power. So um, the Greeks might like that, in, in, in Greeks and others might like that, in the way that it allows them to stay in the euro. But in the long run, they're going to find that they have less sovereignty. Uh, Mike, are you suggesting that because it hasn't worked in Europe, it's not big enough and comprehensive enough that we should have more of this as opposed to less of it. I'm not... Look, I'm not arguing in favor of this. I'm I'm not in favor of this at all. Um, I'm I'm very much in the Ron Paul mode of, of, of not wanting the big central bank to control everything, our lives and our fiscal arrangements, our borrowing arrangements and all other aspects of our life. I want more freedom. For, for people. I want more freedom for Greece. I want more freedom and so forth. But you can't have that freedom without at the same time having discipline. And what's been missing here in, in, in all countries around the world, practically all of them, has been the discipline that's needed to keep their, their debt situations uh, from getting out of control. Gold's honest discipline. Well, yeah. Let's talk about that. That was the other part of your, your first question is what about money? What, sorry, what about, what about uh, gold? Um, I, I went to a talk by a guy called Jeff Christian and in Hong Kong last week, and he made some very interesting points. Um, he did say that all monetary systems have failed, okay? And th- that means that all fiscal, sorry, all fiat money systems have failed, um, but all monetary systems have failed, including monetary systems that were linked to gold. So this one hasn't failed yet simply because it's the latest system. And whether it's linked to gold or not, it's doomed to failure because we've already seen failure in every sort of monetary system. Now, yes, there are times when a gold-backed system forces discipline upon governments and upon Congress and upon individuals. But in the end of the day, that creates stresses and strains which kill that monetary system too. So the real problem is discipline. And gold is not necessarily the answer because... Gold systems have failed as well. I mean, the gold system we had in the UK ended. The gold system we had ended during Nixon's time. Why? Well, it ended because it was creating too much strain. Well, I don't think you can blame that strain on the gold system. It was The system was being abused. Yeah, the system was being abused. That, that uh, people wanted uh, more, um, more inflation. They wanted more 
borrowing. They wanted more living beyond their means and, and even living within their means. They wanted more of everything than, than the gold link system was going to provide to them. Well, yeah, that, but the, of course, Nixon was, was inheriting uh, Lyndon Johnson's Great New Society as well as the legacy of the Vietnam War. So there was a huge strain on the U.S. Guns system. And, guns and butter. Yeah, is, guns is, and butter. So... Uh, as usual, when things are taken to excess is when systems start to implode. You might say that Glass-Steagall imposed between the wars, dividing commercial banking and investment banking, did very well by the world system. And then here we are, Clinton dismantles it under presumably very good advice from Wall Street types. And what do we have? Huge leverage. The, the, the casino guys take over... The, the, the utility men, and what do we have? We have the disaster called subprime. So we can run this system, but we have to regulate it in the, in the correct way. Not too much regulation, not too little. I mean, it's rather but, Buddhist but view, I, maybe. I think, you know, look, what we can agree on is what's yeah. needed really is discipline. Yeah. And whether we arrive at that discipline through a painful learning process, such as we're going through at the moment, about the, 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 the negative virtues of too much debt, that we're going to learn a lot from this in Europe and in the world as a whole. This is going to teach us a lot. It's going to eventually bring back discipline. Mm. But whether that discipline needs gold as an anchor to retain discipline and whether that's the proper anchor for it, I'm not so sure. Mm. I'll tell you one thing that bothers me about gold and one reason that I'm not against gold. I've owned gold throughout the rally. I've been probably less long than I could have been, and I felt bad about that when I saw gold go from 1200 to 1900 but my hedging and, and less than 100% long gold actually has worked pretty well since the gold price hit 1900 so I don't feel bad about it at all. I made money in other things while I wasn't in gold, so it was all right for me. But what worries me about gold, to come back to that question, is that if we move to a $3,000 or $5,000 gold price, then a lot of people who are long gold are going to have a huge windfall from that, and some of them... I would love to see them have a windfall, but there are plenty of others who have a lot of gold, and these are powerful people, not individuals, maybe powerful groups, not, not individuals, will be a lot more powerful even than they are now. And that scares me and that worries me. So um, this group of people, some might call them the Illuminati, a lot of those folks have a lot of gold. And those, the, the fact that they have a lot of gold and will benefit hugely from a $3,000 or $5,000 gold-packed currency system deserves a bit of thought right now. And, you know, it isn't sure a lot of my friends and people who think in a way that I actually admire, uh, I could mention names, but I won't right now. Maybe some people doing interviews here would do well from that. I'm very pleased about that. But I'm not pleased about everyone who would do well from the high gold price. Um, just uh, two things to, to just to, to throw in there. Um, just going back to what we were saying about failing monetary systems. Um, Bretton Woods lasted from 1945 to 1971. So that is, what, 36 years, a generation. But uh, Isaac Newton's system lasted from 1700 to 1913. Uh, 1914, I should say. So that's 215 years, 214 years. That's pretty good. Uh, and the only reason it failed is because our glorious leaders took us into World War I and uh, were too stubborn to take us out of it when they realised it wasn't going to plan and then took us off the gold standard to print the money they needed to pay for it. Now, if they'd stuck to the rules, then 
that wouldn't the system would still work? Um, well, I, I think that that's a good uh, to look at history. Um, but I think some of those conclusions could be debated in more than the time we have here. And, and maybe that's a subject of a future conversation. Uh, but the, the fact is that when, when Britain left the gold standard in... Um, 1914. Even, even uh, later, in, in the 1930s, they did uh, change for a while the gold. It they did, uh, in it, the late 20s. And, but yes. and but he, the, the problem he, with that, though, Mike, was that he put us back on at the pre-World War I rate. Sorry, yeah. I've got the mic. Uh, he put us on back on at the pre-World War I rate, and they issued many more pounds, and they didn't have the gold to back but, them. But my, my point was, in that second period, actually the economy did better when it had a chance to have a bit of inflation and remove the discipline of gold for a while. Um, well, yeah, I think, Mike, there you're perhaps uh, waving a flag at the Greeks. And let's look at Argentina. A few years ago, they've been pegged to the dollar for some time, C economy collapsing. In the end, I think it was a 65% approximate haircut that they took on the bondholders, though interestingly, they offered um, them some of these GDP warrants in exchange. And Argentina has grown at 7% plus real terms since then per annum. So, you know, maybe Greece has to do this. Okay, maybe Greece doesn't have quite the assets as Argentina, but um, I think if you ask the guy in the street who's going to vote on this, he might say, yeah, I'd rather like that. And why do I have to be attached to a German currency? Uh, and yeah. well, you know. Do you follow the Iceland model or the Ireland model? And, uh, and uh, the Iceland model's <laughs> working considerably better. <laughs> well, quite. I, I, you know, I like to take my chances with the <laughs> Iceland model, absolutely. Um, uh, Gents, it's been a real pleasure talking to you both. I just want to tackle one subject, so we both talk for a little bit about this subject and then we'll, we'll call it a day. The disconnect between the gold price and the gold shares. You know, there's all sorts of reasons that have been ventured for it. I think, I'm, I, I would say, ultimately, it boils down to the fact that the stock markets have been weak and gold stocks trend with the stock market, even if the gold price is strong. Um, but how long is it going to go on for? Are the gold shares going to catch up with the gold price? Are we going to have this fated period of junior, tiny, tiddly gold stocks going to the moon and making us all billionaires and future Illuminati? Is that ever going to happen? Well, uh, I think it's. Uh, I think you, you you fingered the right bill in there. Is is it's the stock market? Stocks have gone down, therefore gold stocks have also gone down. And uh, what I think gold companies need to do is they need to remind people that they actually represent gold. And one, day, one way that's being done is by some companies are linking their dividends, Nuance has been talking about this, linking their dividend, future dividend, to the gold price. And I think some companies have been talking about paying dividends in gold as well. And I think that would be a great way to, for, to, for um, companies to remind people that they actually represent a stake in gold, even though indirect. And as we see more and more of that, we see dividends come up, that's going to help these shares to recover. I think also it's a time horizon issue. If over the medium term gold is going up, then obviously we want to be there. But there's the risk on, risk off trade. And when the risk is uh, off and nobody wants to take risk, then the shares come down versus the gold price. Risk back on, everybody piles back into the shares. And so we've got this volatility around the trend. And I think that's going to continue for a while yet. Okay, well, gents, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Um, as we close, Mike, do you want to give out your website address and find out how people can find out and, and say how people can find out more about your work? Um, uh, people are welcome and invited to to have a look at www.gold, uh, sorry, .globaledgeinvestors.com. Globaledgeinvestors.com and Adam. 
Yeah, well, my website's under construction, but uh, it's almost there. So www.icfunds.co.uk. IC Funds. Well, Adam Parkin, Michael Hampton, thank you very much. Subscribe to the Gold Money newsletter at www.goldmoney.com to receive email updates on new articles, videos, and iTunes podcasts from our Gold Research section. Gold Money.